God is good. Amen. My word this morning is called Above All Else. And it's from Psalm 4 verse 23. The word of God this morning says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Another version, the King James Version, says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I love the New Living Translation, which says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Yeah, sometimes we think that it's all the outside factors that determine our course of life, whether it's finances or relationships, how we look, where we've come from, what our childhood was like. Sometimes we think those things kind of will direct the course of our life. And they can if we let them. But the truth is, is that the Word of God says our heart determines the course of our life. Our heart. And so if we really believe that, that our heart determines the course of our life, then wouldn't we kind of dig a little deeper? Maybe spend a little bit more time on our knees before the Lord, be more diligent to guard the treasure within our heart. You know, the heart here, as it's talked about in um, Psalm 4 verse 23, that word heart, actually, it's, it's not the organ, the heart is in the organ that pumps our blood, the physical heart, but it's actually talking about the inner man. It's talking about our mind, our will, our emotions. The heart is pictured as this source from which life erupts. Just as our physical heart pumps blood and gives life to our body, It's the same with our spiritual heart. It pumps life. It gives life to our body. And so if our heart is healthy, our body is healthy. Our our life is healthy. If our heart is sick, then that affects all the streams that come from our heart in our life. You know, our hearts were actually created to be connected to God's. when, When God created Adam and Eve and they lived in the garden with him, they were so connected. Their hearts were so connected to his And then when Adam and Eve fell in the fall of mankind, it disconnected our hearts from God. And it actually made our natural man's heart quite corrupt. And it says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Matthew 15, 19, Jesus said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander from the heart but God created our heart to be connected to his and so when we fell and our heart was disconnected from God it's now our our choice and our decision when we're born again to give our heart back to Jesus and to reconnect it to his the common problem of living without inner restraint and being insensitive to God's leadings is the result of an unguarded heart The problem is the more you ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit and God's leading, the quieter that voice gets until all of a sudden we don't hear it anymore. That prompting of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Lord. Have you found in your your life there's times where it seems like God's voice is so loud and so clear and then others where it's like, God, are you there? The more you listen to the the promptings of the Holy Spirit and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the Lord, the louder and clearer you start to hear. If If you start to disobey the word of the Lord or you start to ignore the word of the Lord or the promptings of the Spirit, it actually starts to get quieter because the other stuff in your life gets louder. 
And so it's like in, in the car, your, your sat-nav. You know, if you've got the sat-nav on and, you know, for us, we've got wiggles on in the back for Zara. Or we've got the music turned up loud or the phone's ringing. It's like it starts to crowd out that navigation system and to, to the point where you can't hear it anymore. It's like the Holy Spirit in our life. If there's so many other things screaming at us in our world and we don't listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit, he's our guide. He's like the sat-nav of our life. The Holy Spirit is our guide through life. And so if we don't take time to really, to kind of lean our ear to the Holy Spirit and to listen, then naturally just other things are going to crowd that, that um, voice out. But the Word of God says, above all else, above all else, above all else. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. Above everything else and with all diligence. There's such a great emphasis on watching over our hearts with diligence. You know, the reason for this diligence is because it actually flows the spring of life from our heart. From our heart comes the springs of life. That's what the word says. Whatever the heart concentrates upon, the ears will hear, the eyes will see, the feet will go, and the hands will do. Let me just read that again. Whatever the heart concentrates upon, the ears will hear, the eyes will see, the feet will go and the hands will do. There's a big sign as you um, drive under the, um, from the, uh, what's it called? The bridge, Story Bridge. And you, you drive down and around under the underpass and there's a big sign on the wall that says, the more you focus, something like, the more you focus on it, the bigger it gets. It's true, whatever you focus your heart on, your eyes see, your ears hear, your feet and your hands will follow. So whatever you focus the attention of your heart on, that's where your life will lead. And that's what the Word of God's saying is, is that your heart determines the course of your life. So if the fountain isn't pure, then all the streams of life will be polluted. Have you ever been to, up into the mountains to a beautiful bubbling brook where there's pure, beautiful um, mountain water? And imagine you're at this bubbling brook and there's this beautiful, fresh spring water coming down. And all of a sudden you get a bit closer and you see a rotting carcass in the brook. And that has contaminated now the beautiful flow of pure water. It's like a heart. So if your heart, if there's sin and death within your heart, that's going to affect every area, every avenue of your life. If the fountain isn't pure, the streams of life will be polluted. The heart is a precious garden. If we think about it, and the Bible actually talks about our heart being a garden that we have to cultivate. And if you take care of it, if you, sorry, if you don't take care of it, it starts to get overrun with thorns and thistles and weeds. Is there any gardeners here in the house this morning? Cass? Yes? Rod? All the green thumbs? I'm, I do not have a green thumb. <laughs> but, you know, gardeners will know it's, you have to cultivate a garden. It's like a daily um, habit. You have to... You have to get out there, you have to pull out the weeds, you have to water it, you have to sometimes prune things. Um, so with, the same with, with our hearts, if we look at our heart as a garden, it's a daily habit to meditate, to analyze, to look at, to prune sometimes, to pull out things, to put nutrients in, to, to water you know, if you don't t- stay on top of caring for your garden, it doesn't take long before those pesky little weeds start to come up and to choke the plants and the caterpillars and the bugs start to eat everything. And so 
we need to make it a daily habit to cultivate our hearts, to look at our hearts, to analyze, to, to meditate on the word of God. You know, how do we know what's going on in our heart? One of the ways is to simply listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Jesus taught that whatever's in the heart will eventually come out of the mouth. In Matthew 12, 33, it says, you brood, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He's saying, you brood of vipers. How can, what, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's the truth. The, heart, the mouth will speak what the heart is full of. To find out what your heart is full of, start listening to your speech. What's coming out of your mouth? Do you constantly talk about yourself? Are you constantly talking about your flaws? Are you talking about... Um, do you, does negativity and criticism come out of your mouth or do you speak words of faith, hope, encouragement? Come on, what's coming out of your mouth? I know you know those times that you kind of, you see someone come in, you're like, I can turn and walk this way or I can go and, and, and I can actually stand there and speak to them because you know that whenever you get caught with them, you're going to hear about all the woes of their life and you'll be there for hours. And so... You know, it's, it's what's in the heart that the mouth speaks from. And, you know, maybe for those people, there's just there's so much stuff going on in their world that they can't see anything else. But it's about the cultivation of your heart. If you let the things of the world, the cares of life, um, continually run through your heart, through your head, through your thoughts, through your mind, that's what's going to continually come out of your mouth. And then the Word of God says what comes out of your mouth is then what you live out. And so it's a, this cycle that keeps on going on and on and on in your life. And unless you stand up and you take control of it through the word of God, then it'll continue happening. Come on, let's be people who speak life. Let's be people who encourage. Let's be people of faith. That's who God's called us to be. Another way to diagnose the health of your heart is to take a good look at what you're looking at. What are you focusing on? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you gazing upon? In verse 25 of Psalm 423, it says, Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. In order to guard our hearts, we have to focus our eyes on the Lord. I love this um, quote. Outlook determines outcome. What's before your eyes? Your outlook will determine your outcome. You know, David said, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. And the writer of Psalm 119 prayed, Turn my eyes from worthless things, Lord. When the eye is focused clearly on the Lord, the whole body is full of light. It says in Matthew 6.22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Have you ever met people and you look into their eyes and they're just dull or, or even dark? It's like the eyes are the, the windows to your soul. They even say that's the gateway to your soul. And so whatever we put before our eyes... What we're looking at is what our heart will, will focus on. And what our heart focuses on is what we look at. And so I challenge you this morning to look at what you're looking at. You know, um, Liz's work, Craig's here this morning, um, his wife Liz, her work, that's why her work is so important, what she's doing. She's teaching young people that what they look at, you know, it might bring them pleasure for a moment, but it can cause a lifetime of pain. 
so important what our eyes are focused on and so important to teach our young people as well as Liz is doing an incredible um, job of. You know, she actually met the Prime Minister this week. Incredible who God brings you in front of when you're carrying that word, such an incredible, such an important word to be heard um, from our generation to... And, you know, I've, we've got one of um, Liz's books, and it's a, a great book, a great resource um, for schools and for, for young people. But, you know, you just we need to encourage the work that she's doing. And, you know, not just Liz as well, but all of us, be encouragers of one another. Be uplifters. Let's have a heart of, of, that brings faith rather than negativity or criticism. You know, the Word of God will nourish your soul. If we invest into some, what we need to do is invest into some great Christian books that will encourage and challenge us. Lift our eyes to the Lord and worship. You know, there's no greater place to fix your gaze than on Jesus. You know, worship, lifting your eyes to Him, focusing on Him, letting your heart be filled with His presence. Engage. Yeah, sometimes we can do some of those things out of religion or just out of ritual. But if you engage your heart when you're reading the Word, if you engage your heart when you're worshipping God, that's when you get transformed. That's when the life of God starts to course through your veins. Not just reading empty words, not just coming into worship and singing, singing songs without engaging your heart with His. Our heart was created to be connected with the Lord's. You know, another part of our being that the heart directs is our feet or our way of life. In verse 26 of Psalm 423, it states, Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. You know, the Hebrew word there translated watch or ponder means to weigh or to make level. It's from the same root word as scales. So to watch the path of your feet is to weigh the path of your feet. To kind of, it's the same the same root as as you know the word scales, to weigh, to watch, to ponder. When you weigh something, you kind of are looking at um, when you you the old fashioned scales where it was you know you put something on this side and something on that side and it kind of um, evens itself out. When you weigh the the um, path of your feet. You're not just walking aimlessly through life, but you're looking at um, the consequences. You're looking at the Word of God. You're looking at um, past experiences. You know, Socrates um, once said in his final speech that the unexamined life is not worth living. Why is that? Because if you live, if you walk out an unexamined life, you're never going to learn from your mistakes. You're going to walk aimlessly. You're not going to... you're not going to be building upon anything because you're, you, you're simply living, um, you're walking with um, exposed to the forces of life. You know, you're not examining, you're not looking at where you're going, what you're doing, um, who, even who you can, can um, learn from as well. If you walk the right path, the Lord's path, he promises you that all your ways will be established. And it says that in verse... Um, 48 in Isaiah 48:17, that I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If you are unsure of the way you should go, 
this morning. If you're kind of at a crossroads or you're confused about what, what route to take, take heart in this scripture. The Lord says, I'm the one who teaches what's best for you and I'll direct the way you should go. And so if we have our ear kind of leaned into the Holy Spirit, into the Lord, we know that he teaches us, he directs our path. And if our heart is healthy, then God is going to be, it says that he will establish all of our ways. If we go back to the analogy of looking at our heart like a garden or a field, you know, what happens to the dirt or the soil, the ground, if it's left too long without cultivation? It grows hard, right? And so if a farmer wants to plant seed or wants to see anything grow in that field again, what does he have to do? He has to plough the land. He has to, he has to put the hoe in or he has to get the old-fashioned plough and he has to till up that land because if you try to, to um, throw seed, if you try to grow anything on that hardened kind of dead soil, dry soil, uh, the seed's just going to die. And so it takes work to till, to pull up, to plough land. Um, you know, f- just recently, Brad and I, with the help of Chris, we redid our backyard and so we pulled out the old turf and then underneath it was pretty much just rock. And so we had to till up the ground. We had to put in topsoil before we put the um, new turf back on. It was hard work, man, taking that turf off. <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> I got in there. I got dirty and did it. But it's, you know, when, you, when we're looking at our heart, sometimes it can seem such a hard job, especially if we've kind of left things for too long, our heart unguarded, or you know, different things in life have caused us to um, retreat somewhat. And we've gotten to a place where it's a bit dry and a bit hard. You know, when we first put that um, hoe into the ground, it feels pretty darn hard. And so you know that you're going to be in for a, a, hard, you know, a hard job. But God promises us that he's, his Holy Spirit um, will help in doing that too. But um, when you start to, to work that land, when you start to plough it up and till that dirt, you also need to, um, to add in nutrients. You need to add in topsoil. You need to um, give it water and health. And it's the same with our heart. And the topsoil would um, represent like the word of God. And so if you're in a place where you feel a bit hard or a bit dry, I encourage you to get into the word of God. You know, it might, at the beginning, it might seem a little bit tough. It might seem a little bit hard. But I encourage you to keep on pressing in, keep seeking God, because then he'll come with his presence, which is like that rain from heaven. It'll saturate your heart, soften up that soil. And then you're coming to a place where you're ready to receive from him. I love this quote. Man is a vessel on a wondrous voyage. While his will and faith are the propelling force, his hearts and his thoughts hold the rudder. Isn't that true? Man is a vessel on a wondrous voyage. While his will and his faith are the propelling force, his heart and his thoughts hold the rudder. You can have lots of faith, lots of of will. You can have lots of excitement, But if your thoughts and your heart are steering the boat over this way, you can just go somewhere. You'll get there fast, but it won't necessarily be the right spot or the right place. And so you've got to partner your faith and your will with your thoughts and your heart. 
so that you're on the right track, you're, you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you're letting Him direct and lead you through your thoughts and your heart, but then that faith comes in as the propeller to propel you along. You're when Christ reigns in our hearts, our feet walk in his ways. In Isaiah 30, 21, it says, Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or the left. Isaiah 48, 17 says, This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what's best for you, who directs you in the way to go. When our heart is healthy and connected to the life-giving spirit, our footsteps are ordered by the Lord. And his promise is that he will establish all of our ways. Amen. In Luke 8, verse 4 to 15, it talks about the condition of our hearts in a parable called the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower concerns a sower who scatters seed, which falls in four different types of ground. Who's heard this story before? Yeah, most of us, right? Let me just um, paraphrase it for you. So the hard ground, um, this, this, the sower scattering seeds, and this, it falls on four different types of ground. The hard ground, which is the wayside, preventing the seed, the seed from sprouting at all. The seed becomes nothing more than bird food. The stony ground, which provides enough soil for the seeds to germinate and begin to grow. But because there's no depth, deepness of the earth, the plants don't take root and soon wither in the sun. And then there's the thorny ground, which allows the seed to grow, but the competing thorns choke out the life of the beneficial plants. And the fourth is the good ground, which receives the seed and produces much fruit. Jesus' Jesus's explanation of the parable of sower highlights those four different grounds. And so he says the hard ground represents someone who's hardened by sin, who hears but doesn't understand the word, and then Satan plucks the message away, keeping the heart dull and preventing the word from making an impression. You know, to hear and to understand are different, right? You can hear something, but if you don't understand it, you're not going to walk it out. And so even in, in this word, in Luke 8, 4 to 15, that word understand in the Greek, it translates suniami, which means to accept something by hearing and to follow it. So that word understand doesn't, doesn't just mean to hear. It doesn't even, just, it doesn't even mean to understand it um, logically, but it means to follow it, to walk it out. And so because the, when the, the seed got scattered, because it fell on that dry ground, it wasn't understood, it wasn't caught, it wasn't followed, and so then the enemy comes and plucks it from the, from the heart because this is representing the heart, right? And so in our lives, the Word of God comes, even on a, on a Sunday, the Word of God can come to our heart, and yet if we don't follow it, if we don't walk it out practically in our lives, then the enemy comes and plucks it off the top of our heart. The way that, that we need to work that seed down into the soil of our heart is by walking it out, is by following it, is by meditating on it. You know, have you ever seen, wondered when people come to church week in, week out, and yet their life just stays the same? It's because they're not working the word. They're not following the word. They're hearing it on a Sunday, but they're not letting it be outworked in their life. And so for, in order for the seed to get planted deep into a heart where the enemy can't pluck it, it can't rub it, can't steal it, we need to follow the word of God. We need to walk it out. We need to meditate on it, which is why you should come to church. You should bring your Bible. You should bring something to write on, whether it's a smartphone, whether you know, it's paper and pen. You should bring a highlighter because the word of God, if you just sit here and listen, then naturally when we leave here, we're going to forget half of what was said. 
and we're not going to walk it out in our lives. It's not going to bear fruit. It's not going to grow in us. You're not going to change. You're not going to transform if you don't actually work the word in your life. And so we have to take the word and we have to work it, work it, work it. Sometimes you need to get the podcast, which, you know, we record the messages for you. Go online, get the podcast, start listening it throughout the week. Let, it, let your heart meditate on the word of God. That's how you're transformed. That's how you grow. That's how fruit is born in your life. So then there was the second ground, which is the stony ground, which pictures a man who gets excited about the word when he hears it, but his heart's not changed because his foundation is shallow. When trouble comes, his faith quickly disappears. And then there's the thorny ground, which depicts one who seems to receive the word, but whose heart is full of stresses, worries, selfishness, is fixed on the pleasures of this world, which takes his time and attention away from the word, and he ends up having no time for it. So in the same way, the thorny ground depicts the seed actually getting planted into the soil, but then the cares of the world, the weight of the world, different stresses, anxieties start to kind of pop that seed back up out of the heart and, and um, then, the, then Satan can come and steal it. And so in that moment in our life, when different stresses, different pressures come round about, that's the time we should be digging into God's word even more. Come on, trying to massage that word even deeper into our heart so it's not stolen in that moment of weakness. And the good ground portrays the one who hears, understands, and receives the word, putting it into action, and then allows the word to accomplish its results in his life. The man representing the good ground is the only one of the four who produces fruit. Who wants to produce fruit here? Come on, you've got to work the word. To summarize the point of the parable is so a man's reception of God's word is determined by the condition of his heart. We have to guard our hearts. Do you ever go through seasons where you kind of feel like you aren't getting anything out of the word? Like I'll challenge you that in those seasons, it's most likely that it's not usually the preacher or the word of God, but it's the condition of your heart to receive the word. And if we look at someone in the Bible that demonstrates um, this word of above all else, the best, it's David. David in Acts 13 verse 22, it says, After removing Saul, he, God, raised up David as their king and testified about him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He'll carry out my will in its entirety. I found David, a man after my own heart. I don't know about you, but I want to be a person who's after the heart of God. I want that to be said of me, that I was a woman after the heart of God, that I wanted to carry out his will in its entirety. And so if we look at David and we look at how was he a man after God's own heart, I've got a few different attributes um, of, and writings of David throughout the Bible that show um, his heart and his heart towards God. It shows that he was humble. In Psalm 62.9, David says, Low-born men are but a breath, the high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they're only a breath. He was humble. He was reverent. Psalm 18, verse 3, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. I am safe from my enemies. He was respectful. He said, be merciful to me, God, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow and my soul and my body with grief. He was trusting. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He was loving. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. He was devoted. 
He said, you have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. He recognized God. He praised God. He says, I'll praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I'll tell of all your wonders. He was faithful. He said, surely in goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He was obedient. Give me understanding, and I'll keep your law, and I'll obey it with, obey it with all my heart. And he was repentant. He said, for the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it was great. So if we look at those attributes again of David, he was humble, he was reverent, he was respectful, trusting, loving, devoted. He gave God recognition and praise. He was faithful, he was obedient, and he was repentant. Come on, let's start to activate some of those qualities in our life. If we want to be, be ones who are known as as women and men who are after the heart of God, a church, a house after the heart of God. Come on, we've got to start to work on some of those attributes within our life to be humble, to be respectful, to be trusting, to be loving, to be repentant. I just want to go through a little heart check questionnaire with you this morning just for you to take time just to kind of analyze and, and check the, the health of your heart. So you don't need to answer these out loud. <laughs> just answer them within your heart and yourself. The first one is, what's coming out of your mouth? Words of faith or fear? Deceit or truth? Blessings or curses? Encouragement or criticism? Do you get easily frustrated and impatient or fly off the handle quickly? When something good happens to someone around you, do you fix your thoughts on why it wasn't you? Or do you congratulate and encourage that one? Is joy weaved into your days and do you take moments to praise God and be thankful? Or are you overtaken by what has to get done and find your days filled with stress and anxiety? Do you find it hard to encourage and uplift others? In arguments, are you the bigger person? Are you the first to forgive or to ask forgiveness? Or do you always have to have the last say and have a need to feel justified and win the argument at the cost of your relationships? Ooh, that's a hard one. What do you think of yourself? Do you see and focus on all of your flaws or do you see your potential and who God's made you to be? How much time do you spend in God's word versus how much time you consume entertainment? They're good questions to ask yourself. We have to examine our life. Examine our life. So now that we've kind of analyzed the health of our heart, it's safe to say that guarding our hearts is a daily habit that we have to be diligent to watch over. But what about those moments in our life where we've kind of got to that point where we've neglected to guard our heart and it's been left to kind of bear the storms of life unprotected and it's grown cold or hard? Maybe you feel like you're in that place this morning where you kind of got to a place where it's, it seems like it's a long way back, like you know, it's, it's been a bit dry, it's been a bit hard. You know, I'm sure we've all walked through those seasons. I know I have um, you know, a few times, many times, where you kind of stop feeling. You, you feel like life turns grey. You can't find joy in anything. You feel alone. You're kind of just existing, not really living. So I just want to show a video this morning. My heart was born a blank slate, ready to be written on, to be filled up with the language of love. That's what I believed. I was wrong. My heart was a rock, an unmovable object, a stone temple for loving only myself. My heart was untouchable, unable to give. 
unable to feel what mattered most. But then you spoke to it. You spoke of a love that bleeds. You wanted my crumbling heart. You changed it, and it began to feel, and it began to hurt. The sorrow of my stubbornness burned. I wished to be stone again. And then you spoke your love again, more loudly still. And suddenly I knew what my heart was for. I gave it to you. I asked you to keep it. You filled it with praise. It ached with longing for you. My joy flowed over, even into my sorrow. Finally, I began to notice hearts of stone all around me, a world full of lovelessness, a million hearts that needed yours, and mine broke for them, as it never could have before. You brought it to life and gave me the words to tell them of a love that turns hearts of stone into hearts that beat for you. My heart was untouchable, unable to give, unable to feel what mattered most. Then you spoke to it. You changed it and it began to feel. You spoke your love and suddenly I knew what my heart was for. I gave it to you. I asked you to keep it. You filled it with praise and it ached with longing for you. My joy flowed over. A love that turns hearts of stone into hearts that beat for you. Ezekiel 11.19 says, I'll give them an undivided heart. I'll put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That's what our God does. That's what his love does. Removes from us a heart of stone, replaces a heart of flesh. Come on, let the Lord soften your heart this morning. If you're in that place maybe of of hardness or if you've had moments of that um, place of, of dryness, of with God, if you've left your heart unguarded maybe a bit long, come on, come to that place with Jesus where he says, I'll remove a heart of stone, I'll give you a heart of flesh again. We just close our eyes. Lord, soften our hearts. Help us, Father, to guard our hearts, to guide our eyes, to direct our steps. Remind us of your love for us, Jesus. That you give us grace that we need every day, Lord, to embrace your word, to follow you with all of our hearts. Forgive us, Lord, where we've left our heart, where we've let it grow cold towards you, Jesus. Forgive us, Father, Lord, where we've let our eyes look upon the wrong things. Father, where we've let our feet take the wrong path. Lord, where we've let our ears hear, Father, not necessarily your voice or your promptings, God, where we've crowded out your voice. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, sometimes for the words that have come out of our mouth, Lord, that haven't been uplifting, that haven't been encouraging. Father, we surrender our heart to you this morning afresh, Jesus. 
Breathe new life, Father. Breathe new hope, Jesus. Lord, let your presence rain down. Father, saturate our heart. Saturate our life, Jesus.